midlife. The Midwest. It's the middle class. The millennials. Baby boomers. West Coast. East Coast. The far right. The far left. What we need is some middle ground. Middle ground. Middle. Middle. Middle ground. We're here, uh, very first uh, podcast. Uh, it has begun. Middle ground. Sorry, I got excited there for a second. Hello, everybody. I'm Chris Otto. I'm Chris Kalish with you. Um, Episode one in a series of God knows how many of these things we'll end up doing. Maybe four? <laughs> yeah, you're, you're such an optimist. Yeah, I was thinking four or five, something along those lines. Then we'll just burn out on it and move on to something else. So will it be us that quits on our own or will the listeners demand that we stop? It's going to be uh, it's gonna be apathy at some point will kick in. It always does. I've probably got about a five-week <laughs> cycle on something like this, uh, but we'll see how it how it plays out. But um, great idea! It's exciting, to, though. It's exciting. I'm ex- I'm excited. Middle ground. Yeah, I'm, it's, I'm excited as I've been uh, probably since the start of the NFL season. Uh. <laughs> so here's what I'm thinking: Why with this particular episode one, if this becomes any sort of uh, consistent thing we do at all people hopefully will come back to episode one to figure out what the hell these guys are doing and who they are good call good call and uh, we both kind of have an interesting story uh i am um, sort of an improvisational comic here in chicago i do a lot of short films and uh just recently started doing some stand-up here in chicago i work a normal day job in in a sales uh, culture and so i'm kind of on the phone talking all day with a lot of people all types of different people so I'm kind of used to talking to everyone from all walks of life. And uh, so I'm in Chicago, and you kind of have an interesting story as well. It, uh, you know, could it be any more confusing, first of all, that we're both named Chris? Uh, but anyway, I'm Otto, you're Kelsch. So I, yeah, so, well, first of all, you and I met at Michigan State University 30 years ago. Let's, let's yeah, keep more the specific numbers out of it if we can. They're too depressing. <laughs> but I, yeah, it was a okay. good, good amount of time ago. Uh, Suffice to say, decades yeah, ago. Yeah, good. I like that. That that gives it some weight. <laughs> uh, but yeah, decades ago, plural on Michigan decades, State University. Michigan State, yeah, and we, yeah, where we both had tons of fun. Probably too much fun because you thought you could just continue the rest of your life having that kind of fun, and that's not exactly how it works. Well, I tried to. I was on the five-year plan. I don't know about you. Nice, uh, nice. I was on the four-year plan, but then take another ten after that just to kind of get your feet wet and get a feel for the world and what's going on around you. So uh, it really took me 14 years to uh, <laughs> get acclimated and then really just get started with things. So uh, as uh, as I'm telling myself now, it's a marathon. It's not a sprint. Um, exactly. So th- and you, you keep telling yourself that until you get the membership card from the AARP. <laughs> Which should be in the mail sometime this week. But yeah, it's uh, it's a long haul. I've trained for the long haul. Uh, and I'd like to say, I'd like to think anyway, we've seen a lot of different things and absorbed a lot of different things, experienced a lot of different things. We're going to try and bring as much of that to the podcast as we can. Uh, absolutely some good perspective. So that, I mean, it, what, what can you say? I mean, you get, you get at this age, you can be depressed about what has or hasn't happened, or you can uh, take your perspective and your experiences and try and turn them into something positive. So that's what we're trying to do here. So hopefully we can get that done with this podcast by recording them and sending them out to the world for their digestion and emphasis on the world i'm expecting uh, a strong international response to this uh you know we need to offer a prize for the listener that comes that, that's listening from the furthest far-flung location yeah, and just off the top of my head i don't know why 
but I'm thinking India for some reason. We really need to tap into that market. It's an up-and-coming middle-class market. They love American products. Who doesn't love American products? Yeah, so we might even do some special segments geared towards that part of the world. And, uh, of course, that's going to be more advertising dollars. Oh, absolutely. So that's we're, what we're international trying to, sponsors that's what will be lining yeah. up. So, folks, stick around. We've got a special IT segment coming up. <laughs> and... Uh, you know what? We we should outsource some of our engineering instead of me editing this damn thing. On uh... actually, this is outsourced. Both uh, Chris and I are in Mumbai, and we are Indian, and we're these are we're just faking American accents. So this works out really well. Actually, I'm sitting right now in front of the Taj Mahal, and uh, there's a line of people, and they're all looking at me funny because most of them don't speak it. Hey, hi, sweetheart. How you doing? <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, we digress. I never did introduce myself. So yeah, Michigan State University, uh, 15 or 20 years after that of uh, a corporate career. I'm a refugee from the corporate world and uh, a little bit of acting and some Hollywood stuff in there before that, actually. And uh, boy, lived in LA, lived in Boston, Chicago for about 18 years, got married, got divorced, had a son. He's now 19. Uh, and I'm up here now. I'm, I'm actually on a lake in northern Michigan uh, working on a book and doing a podcast with my, in my spare time. Uh, and uh, literally, I, I'll, I'll simplify that. Just a modern day Henry David Thoreau. I got to think that if uh, <laughs> I thought you were going to say a modern day Henry Winkler. Yeah, I was gonna, more like that. <laughs> if Henry David Thoreau lived today, I got to think he'd be divorced. Uh, <laughs> he had a good he had a good handle on nature. I don't think he ever right. would have gotten married today. No, I may, maybe not. But I question, you know, if he if he's out there in Walden Pond and he's writing the book and he's doing his thing, does he have Wi-Fi? Does he have an Internet connection? <laughs> does he have all that stuff, even though he's out in the woods? No. I have to think that he does. I have to think that that is just something, you know, the guys in Western Massachusetts, he's probably got to have he's probably a Red Sox fan. Let's let's be clear about <laughs> yeah, that. Absolutely. So he's got to be dialed into the Red Sox and the Patriots, even though he's in Western Massachusetts. You just got to be up to date on that stuff. So that that's how Thoreau would live in a modern world. That's what you're doing. And uh, I did want we did even kind of forget about this because we do want to bring this up because this is going to be a big part of the show. Uh, dating. We both technically are. Chris is a little bit more active. I'm on Tinder and Match just to make myself feel good. Not getting any action, right, but wait, I tell wait. people, hey, I'm dating. You know, it makes me feel good. How silly is it that I'm up here in northern Michigan in a town with a population of about 304 and you're in Chicago and I'm the one that's getting action? Yeah, it's pathetic. And uh, I blame myself because there is no one else. And uh, you would think I'm in the middle of Chicago, fairly decent looking guy. I'm not, you know, I'm whoa, 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 whoa. Let's, let's let's not. Yeah, uh, let's hang we're going to try and to keep so this real. In the right? middle of Chicago, beautiful people walking around everywhere, good professional people, smart professional people. And I cannot catch a break. So you never know is what I'm saying. So actually your motivation for this podcast is to pick up women. Is that what you're saying? That's what I'm saying, provided some will listen to it. Can you um, post podcasts to Tinder? Uh, we're going to try. Maybe you could, you could put a link. A you could put a link to this podcast on your Tinder profile. We're going to try. Uh, you know what? The, the Tinder thing, all of these websites get really, really territorial, and I don't think people know where they belong. There's people on Match that come out on their profile and say, if you're looking for a quick hookup, 
please move along. I'm not the person for you. And this is on Match. Okay, makes sense. Match, relationship, website, got it. But when you go to Tinder and someone's on Tinder going, hey, if you're looking for a quick hookup, keep going. You're not in the right place. Someone should send that person a note saying, you're not on the right place. <laughs> it's actually for hookups. You need to move along. I don't get it. Uh, but it's I, complicated. But, but I have heard of people getting married uh, after meeting on Tinder. So that's that's not just a I, I just heard that too. A friend of mine told me that people met on Tinder yeah. and they got married. So you could go out looking for a hookup, find something more. Good for you. I, I just, There's not one website for everything. No, it's anything crazy. goes. Anything. Anything goes. I, absolutely. Hey, I, you know what? I dated someone for two years that I met on LinkedIn. And that's a true story. <laughs> All right, I can't top that. I don't, I cannot top. Yeah, that. and I have that and I have crazy. to I have to admit it wasn't an accident. I mean, I I guess they call it trolling, right? I was trolling, and she had an amazing picture, and uh, she was from Michigan. She was from uh, she, she had a couple things on her her resume that we had in common. So I, I used it, man. You got to use everything at your disposal. You're incredible, Chris. You are. We both kind of have a background in research, so we use that <laughs> to our advantage. A background but, uh, in research. I, I troll. I, God, see, that's the difference between you and me. I troll on LinkedIn, too, and when I see someone on LinkedIn, I do what anyone would do. I pull up, you know, that's attractive. Pull up their profile, <laughs> look at the commonalities, see what they see where they've been, what they've been doing. You take it the next step. You reach out to them. Yeah. Most guys would say, eh, okay, interesting. You go, ah, oh, that's Let's see where this leads. So I, I, I applaud your bravery. That's awesome. Hey, it's a, you know, it's you can meet someone at a work event just like you can uh, uh, at a bar. So it, absolutely, that's what, good stuff. That's that's it. Anything's possible. So, um, which brings us to the podcast and sort of the theme. We do have a theme. We're not just going to get on here and bullshit about our dating escapades. Uh, although I'm sure we'll touch on it almost every time, but yeah. I, I think what you and I, as we talked about this and had got the idea to launch a podcast, uh, you know, we hear so many voices coming from the West coast, the East coast, you get Silicon Valley for technology, you got LA and Hollywood. And then the East coast, you got New York and finance and the banking world. And then you got DC and the government. I mean, there must be. 180 million people that live between those two coasts and you and I are here and not just not just the Middle West thing not just uh geographical but middle ground refers to middle age I mean you and I are in our late 40s uh we're by nowhere by no means uh uh in the settled <laughs> settled uh, I think we can say with some confidence we've finished the first half of our life and we're looking at the second half, or maybe we're halfway through the third quarter. Uh, but uh, so there's there's a middle ground there that we are exploring. For those, yeah, I was going to say the way I look at it is uh, for those of you out there who are fans of uh, the NFL or football or any type of uh, athletics, think of this as a really nice halftime speech. Like a real, you go in at <laughs> halftime right. and the coach fires you up and gets you set to come on out for that second half and really come out and light up the scoreboard and all that stuff. So for those of you in need of a good Vince Lombardi halftime speech, that's what this podcast is. Come on into the locker room, uh, get yourself set, and go on out and really kill it in that second half. That's what we're here for absolutely but we you know we don't want to alienate the millennials or the baby boomers you know i, I our kids are our, the generation behind us are millennials we've got our parents who are uh baby boomers or maybe the world war ii generation depending on your age whatever it is uh the greatest generation um 
But we don't. I, I think there's something to offer here to everybody. Something for everyone. Absolutely, and and we can learn a lot from millennials. I know your son is one, and you know they have so much to, to say about technology, and it just seems like they came up in such a different world. Things that are kind of confusing to us come second nature to them. So yeah, you're right. We're, we're reaching out to them as well. So something for everyone here, and um, and it's funny, you know, you you mentioned those places, uh, Los Angeles, New York, uh, the East Coast, Washington. You know, it seems like. Uh, though all those places, you know, you admire those places. There's so much going on there, and you always feel like, God, should I be there? What's what's going on? Do I need to be in New York? Do I need to be in LA? But uh, these, there's a lot for people inside the bubble, and there's a lot for people outside the bubble, I guess. So we hope to connect with uh, all types of that as well. So I'm glad you brought that up. Absolutely, we are equal opportunity podcasters. We want to reach out and touch all of you, inappropriately and appropriately. <laughs> uh, so which uh, what? what what, what else did we, what were the other titles we thought about calling this thing? Well, this is, yeah, I mean, it, it, depending on where we wanted to go with the show, the one I came up with was Flyover Country because I think it, like it, sum, it summarizes just all the goofy people you meet here in Chicago and in the Midwest and just life in the Midwest, you know, when you're not on the coast. Um, <clears throat> I hate to, for those of you in, uh, Flyover Country was a radio term that executives and advertising people that were flying over the uh, middle of the country would listen to uh, radio talent and things like that that's where that came from so just thought it was something like that that would kind of summarize everything about living in the midwest but no we didn't go with that flyover kind of life in the middle middle of nowhere we got stuck on the middle we're middle of nowhere caught in the middle yeah two pervs and a microphone (laughs) didn't make it nice guy and the asshole (laughs) (laughs) and we would switch that by the way yeah i don't know which i I think we dropped that because we couldn't decide who was who yeah but, uh, uh, farmers only didn't make it. <laughs> <laughs> or I like, you know, in, in a nod to Zach Galifianakis between two coasts. Nice. Oh, nice. And then the rest were just middle. Like you said, life in the middle, blah, blah, blah. But um, I liked shit yeah. we can't say around women. <laughs> <laughs> or, uh, you know, one of the, one of the biggest podcasts, Mark Maron's got WTF. I, I kind of liked STFU. <laughs> <laughs> which is probably what anyone who's listening to this is saying to themselves right now. Exactly. So, yeah. Women we haven't fucked. <laughs> <laughs> the largest audience in the history yeah, of podcasts. I mean, that list is long, guys, and you'd be surprised at the people we haven't got to yet. If your name's on that list, relax. We'll get to you. It's early. It's only halftime, but we'll get you. That's right. And you can email us at uh, womenwehaven'tfucked.com. No, no, no. Uh, Everything's open game on this. We do want to talk about dating. Dating, uh, relationships. Everything, politics, entertainment. Careers. Pop culture. Sports. Career. Yeah, you name it. I mean, Super Bowl week. We haven't, we're not even going to have a chance to talk about that. New Hampshire primaries coming up. Iowa's in the books. So much going on this time of year. And, Anything and, uh, we feel like. all of it. Yeah, exactly. Any, Wide other, open. any crap that comes up, we're going to talk about. Basically, you know, the middle ground, I was thinking about this this morning. It's kind of, uh, if you were to sum it up, this whole middle ground idea, it's the struggle for balance, right? So balance, absolutely. I mean, yeah, that's it. balance yeah, in absolutely. your political thinking, balance in your life and your career, work-life balance, yeah. uh, and just trying to find that balance as a, as a person who's lived a little bit and has a little bit of living to do, uh, to do the second half better than the first half. No, that's what I like. I like that. Balance in your relationships, because... 
it's all about me, generally speaking, <laughs> and uh, I need to tweak that a little bit, apparently. so Right, and when you date someone, she wants it to be all about her, and that, yeah. that probably needs to be tweaked a little bit. Are you looking for middle ground? Guess what? You found it here. There you go. So uh, we'll, we'll have guests. We'll have guests that, uh, that are winning that battle, uh, trying to find balance. Guests that are losing that battle, maybe, fighting that battle. And uh, guess that maybe we can learn a little something from because we could both need, use that. Yeah, no, we're all trying to get there. So that uh, actually, that's a good segue. Nice. Well, well done. Thank you. That brings us to our very first guest here on Middle Ground. He is someone I went to high school with many years ago. He is a voiceover artist living in Los Angeles. Uh, made a career out of doing video game characters and animated television stuff and cartoons. He does a lot of audiobooks. Uh, he's married with a couple of kids. Um, and we were good friends in high school, but he, right after high school, after a little stint in community college, he went off to California to live his dream at 19 years old. Uh, left the Midwest for good, actually. He's, he's still in LA, been out there for 30 years. And, uh, and I think he would tell you that the pinnacle of his career is being our first guest here on Middle Ground. He's made it. So before he comes on, I want to play part of his demo reel. This is the sound file that he would send to casting directors, agents, uh, to try to get work. This is good stuff. Take a listen. Hey! Oh, you been noticed. The boss is gonna make me do unspeakable things to you. <laughs> oh, what a nice guy. And welcome, everybody, to a beautiful day. Glad you could join us. <laughs> yeah, see, I, I just want the American people to understand that I'd not do these things. Oh, the irresponsibility. Katie, look. It's that robot thing. I think it knows we're here. Look out! Get behind that rock! I'll try to hold it off! I wouldn't miss this for all the, uh, what you call in China. What's that they have in China? Are you talking to me? Are you talking to me? You want a piece of me, sucker? I don't think you want to see me when I'm angry. Punk. You better see the dentist! Oh, here he is now! Gotta go! <laughs> Joining us from Los Angeles, Daryl Carrillo. So, Daryl, thanks for joining us, man. You're you're our first uh, our first guest on Middle Ground. Welcome, Daryl. How are you? It is a very good honor, and nice to meet you, Chris Kelsch. Nice to meet you, Daryl. Heard a lot about you, and uh, we're excited to have a celebrity on board. I know it was tough to get us in the schedule, but uh, thank you and welcome. Yeah, normally I don't fit things in, but you know, Chris Otto and I go way back, and uh, he's uh, he's a big fan of mine, and I owe him. No, he was a pre-show business friend, and that's why we were able to make this work. Thanks. Right, right. That's exactly right. <laughs> you knew me when, and <laughs> I didn't know you when. I knew you when and if. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> So the reason you're on the show, so obviously you and I went to high school and together at many, it's like what, 30, it is 30 years yeah. now, 30 years ago. Yeah. Um, so I we graduated won. 33 years ago. That's right. You just hit the big five. Oh, congrats, man. Thank you very much. Yeah. That's a ways away from me. 
And for Chris. Yeah, but uh, we're going to be the new 50. We're By the time we hit 50, that's going to be like the new 47. So <laughs> not worried about it at all. Actually, this is cool. This is like a collision of Chris is from my college days, Daryl's from my high school days. And we're going to have some grade school pals of your own. <laughs> so, but uh, for now, um, hey, hey Daryl, I wanted to ask you, I, don't know, I know uh, you and Chris obviously go way back, but you told me a little bit about your background and kind of left California when you were younger. And one of the things I wanted to ask you, because I've always wondered about that, is like when you leave something so known, like you knew Michigan, you grew up in the in the Midwest for something so unknown, like just setting out for California, certainly you've got to be like almost young and detached. But does the fear aspect, does that override? Like are you thinking, oh, my God, I'm giving up Midwest values and I'm just catching it all in for an unknown world how does that not kick in or does it kick in or you just override that? How does that part work? Well, it's going back quite a ways to see how, what the psychology of it was when I left. But, uh, and, uh, I, I, I can imagine leaving now would be so much more easier than leaving then. There's so many more tools to, to just keep in touch with that Midwest route. But, uh, I mean, there's, there, there was no cell phone or pager or anything, you know, while I'm on the road coming out to California on my own. So it was, um, it was letters, man. I used, I remember getting letters from you. Letters, saying, my God, yeah. cards and letters. Yeah. It yeah. was, it was too expensive to call. Remember calling long distance, like, Hey everybody, sh I'm on long distance. Yeah. And you couldn't, and it wasn't like you had cell phones. Like you had to leave voicemails. Remember the, everyone had voicemail machines. So, you know, if you're going to call your friend, you know, there's a 50, 50 chance he'd be there. But if he wasn't, you had to leave a voicemail. I, home answering machine saying, Hey man, tried to reach you sure. later. You know what? You know what? This is actually before answering machines. Oh, wow. There was, there, there wasn't, this is what Daryl, you left in 1980. I mean, there's a whole backstory here, dental school and all, maybe we can get into some of that, but you, when did you leave and actually drive to California, you know, to face your dreams? Was it 86? Yeah, it was, uh, February, um, of, Jeez, 80, 80, February of 86. Yeah. 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 I was a freshman in college. So that's still like push button phone days, no voicemail, no answering machines yet. I don't think we didn't have I, at home. Yeah. I didn't get my answering machine until the next time I moved out back out here. The Bears had just won the Super Bowl. That was 30 years ago. They they won in January of 86. And that's right. We didn't, even yeah. cable, we didn't even have cable. That was refrigerator time, right? Yeah, that's exactly what it was. Refrigerator it was crazy. Period. I was a senior in high school. Yep. And uh, you're right. We're getting set to go off to college, and I didn't have any of that stuff either. Answering machine, nothing. That's crazy. I was actually uh, in my freshman year at, uh, this is little known fact, my freshman year at Central Michigan University before I transferred to state Michigan State. Chip. Chip. Yeah, fire up chips. Wow. But yeah, so Daryl, so you, so the story was you, I was telling Chris this afternoon, so you went to uh, junior college for a bit right after high school, and this is my memory of it, and you correct me if I'm wrong, because I, I, this was off the top of my head. You took the, the entrance exam to dent, U of, University of Michigan Dental School, and from what I remember, <laughs> from what I remember, your scores like were through the roof. They accepted you without even a bachelor's degree, and you entered. Correct. Yeah, so you entered what in graduate dental school with no bachelor's degree at what were you nineteen twenty years old? 
Uh, they ex- they accepted me at uh, 19, um, and that's when I took a year off, went to California. Right. So you, so, well, you kind of yeah. Blew, it was pending. You, you, it was well. There, there was there was a complication there. I uh, I actually, it was so funny. I remember I was studying for the dental admission test in your dorm room, you and Mike Shaner's dorm room at Central Michigan. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the test was being given at Michigan State. Mm-hmm. On the campus, go green. And I was I was five minutes late. The door shut. I could hear it. There was an LSAT test and the dental admission test, and I was late, <laughs> so I didn't take the test. But I had I had good grades. I had you know good um, recommendations from professors. They said, pending your dental admission test. Um, we'll see about holding you a place. So I went to California after that. I may not have gone to California if it weren't for that. So you got in your grandfather's station wagon. No, no, you had your car by then. You had your own car. Drove all the way to California. We lost touch with you for days. It was a Plymouth Horizon hatchback with no radio. (laughs) (laughs) I love where this adventure is, is headed, but I'm a little sad. I mean, we lost a good dentist that day. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> we really, that's you know what, what my grandmother said and you know what there's my, there's a lot of walmart there's that. a lot of walmart wolverines out there that could use a good dentist <laughs> i'll tell you that right now the ones that have teeth sure yeah they never yeah. went to u of m but they wear their michigan shirt they bought at target nice meyer meyer that's the thing about dentistry there there's there's no discrimination teeth or no teeth you got a customer <laughs> That's right. Well, okay. So you 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 shun the dental career for now. You get in the car, drive to California, and then you you actually came back. I don't remember that. Yeah. Oh, let me see. Oh, the, the first time I drove out, it was a different car. I drove. Uh, it was a uh, um, Chrysler LeBaron. Oh, the white chocolate LeBaron. Brown. Oh, chocolate. Okay. chocolate brown. I don't remember that, that one. Did have that? Had, the K car. This is when this is when Lee Lee Iacocca really started to come back at this point. <laughs> yeah, exactly. This is the, this is before the a pre K car Chrysler LeBaron, um, eight cylinder, this fucking monster engine with a police interceptor engine in it. It 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 looked like grandma's car, but it it, it hauled ass for a you know a teenager to be. Driving. You got to California from Grand Rapids, Michigan, in what like five hours in that car, <laughs> then, right? It was, yeah. I mean. Um, <laughs> That's 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 true. And uh, on the way back in Broken Arrow, Oklahoma, they stopped me. They pulled me over, took my license, almost took the car. <laughs> yeah, but the real question is, the how were the troopers' teeth? That's what I want to know. Yeah, and did the car have that wood paneling that we all loved? <laughs> that you could peel inside. Off. <laughs> inside, it had all the plastic wood, fake wood paneling. So you, oh, so, man. so you came back, you, you actually started dental school. I remember you lived in a house with a bunch of geeks, dental geeks. And, uh, but then you left again and no, you left. No, they le- weren't you, dental geeks. Oh, they weren't? Uh, the, no, the first one was, uh, um, uh, was a, uh, the first person I met, he was a neuroscience major. He was going for his master's in neuroscience. The other one was a uh, second year dental student. What a couple of dumbasses. Um, yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm sure. Well, he eventually, I'm, sh- I'm sure they're not doing nearly as well as we are these days. 
<laughs> he is yeah he is he's going on his second run at uh mayo clinic in rochester yeah. minnesota poor bastard why the, the first the first run didn't work out what's that all about but he doesn't well he went into a he went into a private practice at a hospital and came and they, yeah but you know what but i bet he doesn't have a podcast that can that can that can patch in a guest remotely like and, this. And I'm sorry, you should clarify: Is he going on a second run as a patient or as a doctor? Because you don't get a lot of second run Mayo Clinic as a patient. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they get a lot of return customers, especially the <laughs> mental ward they have. All right, so you came back. So you actually went through. How long were you in dental school? This is really uh, getting convoluted. Uh, I don't want to confuse anybody. Eighty. <laughs> so let's let's get this timeline straight because I'm confused. I. I I haven't relived this I know in a all while. of our listeners are taking notes. And you know what? We will post the timeline on our website in case people want to download the PDF. Yeah. Yeah. This is this this is how you this is how you do it. This is how you go to Hollywood and become a successful uh, performer. How to be a star by D. Carillo. First go to go to dental school. That's step one. <laughs> That's step one. I mean, everybody respects that. That's on the resume. Oh, you haven't really have any credits, but dental school? Oh, wow. Well, this is, you have real life experience. Uh, absolutely. I'm surprised you didn't end up in General Hospital or something. Exactly. I, 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 I did end up on Bold and the Beautiful. Remember that? Oh, Bold yeah. Yeah, I do Young remember and the that. Restless. Yes. Bold and the Beautiful, was, I remember. I was working my way up to General Hospital and I realized that that's in New York. We're getting ahead of ourselves. So, so seriously, <laughs> the kids out there want to know how to be famous. So, so what dental's... Dental school. So what, what happened? How do you go from A to Z? Oh, here's the thing. The first time I came out here, I'm 19 years old. It's 1986. I move out here. I get myself uh, oriented about what you need to do to get an agent, to, you know, get in, involved in... Uh, uh, a circle of friends who are also pursuing acting and right. So you're, um, you're trying to figure out who to bone basically. Yeah. Where are the good looking girls in acting spending their time? And that's, that's really what it was all about being out here and all the girlfriends I had had nothing to do with acting. So, right. Um, but Sabin, uh, I remember some chick named Sabin. How do you remember that? Sabin. Oh, and it's come on, man. Yeah. I remember, you know, I remember look, I was just a college Sabin. punk back here in Michigan. You're out in LA. I think you were like a security guard at some country club in Malibu and you're banging chicks yeah, left right and right. On the beach. Yeah, sure, you were sure. you were banging chicks left and right. We heard all the stories. We read them in your letters. <laughs> <laughs> letters. <laughs> Pen to paper. It's so funny. Exactly. Uh there there was so um, I didn't regret or wasn't scared one day of it. Not one day. I, I drove out here with my mother in tow to San Diego where her cousins lived. And they helped me find a place to live. And after that, and my mom flew back to Michigan, um, I never talked to the, the cousins another, another time. She you know, kept, kept in touch, but I didn't, I didn't talk to them. So I was just on my own and loving it. Um, but you and, can, uh, yeah, so I, so what, I had to what, get the job. I had to, uh, you know, get the place. It was three hundred and fifty a month in uh, Mid Wilshire, near what is now Koreatown. Wow. Um, it was uh, every every other block was uh, a, a crack house, or you know, crack was pretty big at, at the time, and um, and 
there was just it, it was uh, it was an amazing time the 80s man yes. in in Los Angeles 19 are you kidding me and so i i and by the time december rolled around um i had taken the dental admission test at UCLA after taking a few courses there and uh i scored very well and um they said okay you're 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 in but you got to make a decision so I made the decision to to come back home. So I came back home, um, but I couldn't enter until the fall of the next year. So I came back home and lived in Grand Rapids with my grandmother. Did made save some money up and went to dental school. Wow! I went to dental school. In my second year of dental school, um, I decided that this I had something to compare it to. I had okay the experience in Los Angeles. I had given it the college try. Literally, and so I, I weighed the two options and said, um, my happiness, my joy, my passion, everything lays in Los Angeles. Everything I, it was it was an amazing experience. But when I came out here the second time, I I hit the ground running. I knew I knew where to go and what to do. I was I was you know, yeah, much better experienced, and um, so. I knew where to live, and I knew who to contact, and I knew where to get a job. It was it was it was quite a different experience. But it still took you a good I don't know how many years to get sort of a foothold and start getting some work, and you know start feeling like you were part of L.A. Didn't it? Yes, yes. There, uh, this is there's no Google. There was no, <laughs> it was the, know, it, it was, was the yellow book. pages. It was the yellow pages. And yeah. that's who you called. I, I would sometimes, you know, and then I got the idea to you know, call agents and uh, they would give me helpful information about a workshop to attend or, um, and then someone told me about this uh, publication called Backstage West. It was an actual uh, magazine type uh, newspaper publication published yeah. every week. And they would have auditions and workshops and um, student film auditions to go to, or to, and it was a, it was the best resource there was at the time. That's what you, that's what an actor did. So, so I, yeah, I, I got pictures with the first thing everybody would say they were they were horrible. The photographer was horrible. The you know chalk it up to experience. So there, there were things, I, and I went to. A, um, a place called the Los Angeles Commercial Workshop, and it was run by an agent, and um, they he liked me a lot. I met my first wife there. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's only a Chris one hour. It's only a one hour podcast. So, we, how many of these wives are we going to cover? <laughs> that's, a, that's an incredible diversion. But that's that's what that's the way it was. I mean, there was nothing you could look up on the internet. There was nothing you you couldn't find any application or any kind of get in contact with a group on some you know Facebook page or there was there, you know yeah. it was it was all. Uh, flying by the seat of your pants it's just all a mystery it was old school and a lot of so yeah it was it was tough but i but once you know i got an agent i i was pretty much uh making my own work because i would go to casting director workshops and that's how i got you know first jobs yeah um the the one thing i wanted to do when i came out here was voiceover work that's that's what the main thing i wanted to do but there was there was no 
again, there's just it's just huge mystery, and that's even that was even worse than finding out who to contact to to career advance your career in acting. Um, it was it was a mystery, and uh, finally I went to a place called Samuel French. Oh yeah, they had used there was a bookstore. It used to be like a real bookstore you could walk into. You'd buy plays, and they'd have um, actors' resources. And they'd had a, they had this little section called voiceovers, and in it was two books on voiceovers. Can you imagine that? There's like uh, six thousand YouTube channels now devoted to voiceovers. There was two books, and one of them was by uh, a woman called Susan Blue. And in the back, there was a directory of of uh, workshops and one of them was her own workshop so I took that workshop um, and from that I learned of another workshops with was the head of casting for Hanna-Barbera so I took those two workshops they really liked me they recommended me to uh, a, a few um, agents I knew what my demo should be like so this was after six seven years of being in Los Angeles, not knowing a thing about how to do, like, nobody knew about. There was maybe sixty actual working uh, voiceover artists in Los Angeles at the time. Now there's like six hundred. Wow! I missed my chance. I've got to get in the back of the <laughs> yeah. line now. Get in six hundred one. Yeah, You're number yeah. six hundred one. Yeah. Well, I'm glad to see some of those workshops uh, led to work for you because I've been to a million of those things in Chicago. And after a while, I start thinking the only one who benefits from the workshop is the person charging you 200, 300 bucks for the workshop. Like, what is what do I get out of it? And like, there's always some there's always a teacher or a coach out there. It's like after a while, it's like, what what does this lead to? It's crazy. It is crazy. I can't I, I don't know how it works in Chicago. Um, what what? What are the uh, the outlets for your performance? What what are you looking for? What are you are you doing like camera work? Are you doing stage work? Are you doing uh, commercial local commercials? Well, I think uh, Chicago is a pretty small market for that type of stuff. I mean, there's a couple of guys that do really really well and dominate the market, but everyone else is picking up the scraps. So, I think in Chicago, it's uh, voiceovers for commercials, industrials. Um, and then extra work for uh, TV shows that come through here, you know, Chicago PD or Chicago Fire or whatever. So for uh, for film uh -huh. and on-camera work and voiceover work, it's a pretty limited thing, I think. I don't know. I, yeah. I really don't know. I mean, I, 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 I always approach stuff from improv comedy, stage work and things like that. And I shot when we did my own short films and put those on the inner internet and i always thought that would kind of lead to something but it never really did so who knows that it's a mystery to me as well if you gotta you have to make your own work nowadays this is it this is like when you're doing this podcast or you or you're doing a web series you have to you have to make your own work recently i got into narrating audiobooks audiobooks how so, does that work do you are you given a job from an agency or a who, no who it's gives just you the work? it's it's a it's like a wild west there's no union and there's no agents you you audition directly with the rights holder which is usually the author of the book so are these uh, are these self-published books they can't be books that are coming from you know the big the big publishing houses uh when you start out no but uh, once you have, uh, in, in, in my case, I'm an experienced voiceover artist. 
Yeah, once I have 10, uh, you know, double digits in audiobooks, then they'll uh, assign you. You'll be a preferred audio, like an Audible uh, for Amazon. Uh, you'll be preferred audiobook producer, and uh, they'll assign you books that uh, that could come from anywhere if they're if they're publishing it. Um, and then there's several publishing houses that would, uh, yeah, you would do it from right from their uh, their library, either a back library that needs audio producing or a brand new book. So right now I'm doing um, self-produced books. And um, the, the trick is just holding out till you find a really good book. And so I've been lucky. I'm on my eighth book. That's very cool. Yeah. What, if you don't mind me asking, you don't have to answer this question. Uh -huh. So what do you, for a day's worth of work of doing all that stuff, what do you expect to get paid? Well, those are uh, set by SAGs so with scale. Um, a, uh, a radio spot is $350 per spot for that. So if you do a 45 second version and the full minute version, that's $700. And then uh, it's a 13 week cycle. Um, then the uh, a regular uh, national television spot is about $875. And you get paid per uh, you either get paid a 13-week cycle fee, depending on how they have it contracted, or you get paid, you know, as, as, it, as it plays, you know, you just keep getting royalties come in, depending on uh, how much money was earned. If you earn a certain amount of money, then, then they'll start paying you. Um, so normally a national TV spot um, will max out about $10,000. So it's in between wow. five and ten thousand dollars. I did. Uh, I'm living on a Honda commercial. I did the legal tag for, and um, so that's that was uh, just a few months ago, and I've already got five thousand oh, dollars. The legal tag. What's that? The thing at the end that just you know says all the legal disclaimer stuff. Legal disclaimer stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's cool. It's a it's nice work if you can get it. And now there's so many people trying to get it. Number of times that you audition per getting a job has increased exponentially. It used to be like twenty to even thirty was a really rough patch. Now if it's easily sixty to a hundred auditions before you get a job. Oh, the ratio of auditions yeah, to jobs. There's just a glut of of uh, voice actors. It's not because there's not any. Nobody's a voice actor anymore. Right. Everybody's doing There's it. There's no such thing. Everybody that's an actor wants to do it. Yeah. They, they caught on. And so let me ask you this. You're, you grew up in Michigan. You're a Midwestern guy. You're, you, you went to L.A. fairly young. But now you're in this career where, like you said, you don't necessarily, you can do it all at home. What keeps you in L.A.? Why, why couldn't you move, you know, somewhere else and do the same work from a studio in a walk-in closet in, you know, Florida or Arizona or Michigan. I can, uh, at this point I, I can do just that. Uh, in fact, um, my wife is uh, a very big fan of the new England area. She just loves it. She adores it. We, we took a trip out there just so I could show her how horrible it is and she loved it even <laughs> more. And, uh, so, I mean, that's the plan. I would, I would, I wouldn't mind moving out there with her and um, and doing what I do um, um, in 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 my own booth at over there. So, 
yeah, there's there's no there's no, there's nothing keeping me here except you know what I was what I've been doing for the most the bulk of that 15 years is video games. And those you 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 may audition for them out here, but all the video game producers, publishers, they're out here, and their their studios are out here. You have to be out here to do those. Why do you um, do you physically have to go into a studio to record a video game? Yeah, yeah. They have directors, and there'll be a, a maybe ten pages, and you have uh, one hundred and twenty lines, and each line has to be read five different ways, depending on how the, what the player does, the player's action. So um, there's an infinite number of, of ways a player can go through this. this and even and you'll, you'll just hear it maybe subtly in the background. Some say, all right. And that's, you know, <laughs> but you had to do it five different ways. And, and they want to make sure they get it right. And it has to be done without any noise. And everything has to be consistent. Should have had you record our opening. We did it ourselves. Chris, we could have had a professional do it. I know. Five different five different ways too. Can you do it happy <laughs> and sad, depending on how we're feeling? Either that, or somebody owes us three hundred and fifty bucks for that day. Or... <laughs> what type of video game characters do you play? Like, I, I don't know who you that well, but uh, you, what are you playing? Like street guys or bad that's, guys that's the, or what do you what do you play? What kind the, of work are you getting, dude? That's the beauty of it. You know, when you go into um, into improv and you can be anybody. And especially if you have just the knack for doing different characters, you can be anybody as opposed to what you would be cast on camera for. You could just, you know, have fun and, and be anybody. I've, there's, there was no limit to what I've done. Age, uh, nationality, um, male, female, it's, it's. All right, then uh, while you're looking for that, give me then give me a non quintessential. Give me something that you've done that is the most that is the furthest from yourself. What's the what's the furthest from Daryl that you've ever done for a video game? Uh, I had to. I was in a restaurant, and they just threw this in. Um, they needed some background, and I was in a restaurant, and I had to have a conversation with myself. I had to have an argument, but it was a. a a man and a, and a woman arguing, um, you know, oh, it was something, uh, they disappointed her, just something where there, where there's an argument and, and, uh, maybe they're, uh, married a fiance or something. So I went with that and, and you know, they said, go. So I, I went. Well, go, you let's know. hear it. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, you're going to start this again. You never listened to me. You never listened to me. Never. I'm so sick of you. I, I'm done. I'm done. I've had it. Come on, Angie. Just, just sit down, all right? You're, you're making a scene. Don't tell me to sit down. Don't tell me to calm down. I'm tired of this. You know, so there you go. <laughs> Angie sounds kind of hot, actually. Yeah, <laughs> I bought it. I want to meet well, both you of you. Well, you got a picture. Does Angie have a Facebook page? or uh, Does she have a Twitter or something I can... No. <laughs> Next week we're having Angie on though, and it's going to be amazing. Oh, you guys are amazing! I, I love your show so much. I think it, I think it needs a woman's point of view. What do you think? <laughs> I think it does need a. I think it needs it needs Angie's point of view. I think that's what it needs. I think we have a new we have a new regular uh, character on our show here, Chris. There you go, Angie. Yeah, she can do traffic. Our first recurring. Maybe she can call in every once in a while or something. And nice, I love it. Silly. 
Oh my. So what, so what, you know, sticking with the theme here of this whole middle ground, I mean, we're all in our, we're all close to 50. Are you, how happy are you? Are you where you want to be at 50? Are you where you thought you'd be at 50? Isn't that interesting? <laughs> What's so interesting about it? You're 50 years old. Uh, a picture, oh my God, what you thought 50 years old would look like, be like, sound like, who you'd be with, where you would be living, um, what income you'd have. Uh, your, your career choice would have not panned out in five years. Would you do something else? It's... Um, I have been very fortunate enough in my career to just hang on and keep doing it. Uh, I've just hit enough of the, it's like playing golf and you hit that sweet stroke and it, oh my God, two feet from the pin, you know, and it just keeps you going. Yeah, but that, so that shit I, happens once a summer. It <laughs> keeps you golfing yeah, all summer. Yeah, exactly. It's like, oh, well, I guess I do belong here. I guess I just keep plugging away. So how many um, how many times did you come close to packing up and, and taking off, giving it all up? Uh, never. Really? Never. No. Not, not even... Not even after uh, life handed me the one lemon after another, it was like the universe was bending me over and well, I pro- trying to I teach promise, me a lesson, man. I promise you, we, we wouldn't talk about your ex-wife. <laughs> and that was, uh, yeah, there was so many things that were, were going on. It was, it was like uh, incredible, and it was the it was the ability to go out and act and perform or do some improv and, you know, work on stage, uh, be, just do something creative that kept me uplifted. And it was, it was a, a lifeline. It was, the, it was a lifesaver. So I, I had no, uh, I had no, I haven't regretted one second about coming here and I have never even thought about leaving. I've been very fortunate to have the kind of career where I can, I can have enough money. I've had enough. I have a, a sideline job that supports the the acting, and so I'm I'm very lucky. To I'm, I'm 50 and I'm still doing it. Yeah, I'm gonna be doing this when I'm uh, as long as I can speak. So, are you happy mm-hmm. to keep? If you were to just keep getting the kind of work as steady as you're getting it now for the next 10, 15, 20 years, would you be happy with that? Or are you still looking to hit it big with, you know, that Disney movie or that Grand Theft Auto game or something? The other thing about turning 50 is in California, uh, in Hollywood especially, there's ageism. There's definitely ageism. Oh, yeah. And um, so I I have... Uh, you know, I, I have to understand that there's a whole new generation of, of guys who have the uh, decision-making ability uh, over my career. And I have to meet them all and, you know, let them be confident that I can still do it. I still have uh, a mentality. I can, I can still uh, connect with, uh, and I still have uh, value, you, you know. That's one of the big things actors need is they have to have a, uh, like a, a value proposition. 
So that's so it's not necessarily that you're up against competition that's 20 or 30 years younger than you now. It's that the decision makers, the producers, the studio heads, or the studio execs or whatever, those guys are in their 30s and so much younger than you. That's what you're saying? Right. And then they go to IMDb and they say, oh, my God, his first credit is in the 80s, 1994. What the hell? This guy must be 50 years old. So let's go <laughs> with somebody else. But the thing I is got that- two words for all of us, guys. Morgan Freeman. And uh, I just think if we all follow that path, we'll be fine. He's doing all right right now. It is. It is. It is. It is a, a medium where you can be at any age. You don't have to be a thirty-year-old pretending to be sixty. You can be a sixty-year-old and and still work this 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 job. I don't think anyone knew who Rodney Dangerfield was until he was like sixty-two. So we're good. We're fine. Yeah. We've got plenty of time, guys. We're way ahead of the game. And that was, yeah, we're fine. And that was before they had podcasts. Dangerfield couldn't even have a I podcast. Know. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to screw around even another decade. <laughs> I need to get serious for a while yet. I just gave you permission to do that. Thank you, Chris. Right, Man, you with today's technology, anything's possible. <laughs> But you know, but you know what you got, and Chris, you you started the conversation with this, and it's a great thing to uh, to focus on. Is you know, it, when we were that young, did we all think what you know what did fifty look like? But we were basing that on our parents' fifty. Sure, and yes. that is, yes. we I think we can all agree that that par that paradigm's kind of out the window. Our fifty is just nothing like our parents when they were 50 and my parents are good people, but God bless them. When they were 50, they were ancient. You oh, know what man. I mean? Oh, when I, when I think about where my dad was at his life and his career at my age right now, it's, I'm, it, it, yeah, it's, I feel like I haven't even, I mean, maybe this is my problem, but I feel like I haven't really, even, <laughs> I haven't even gotten started. I mean, I've done some stuff. I've, you know, got some stuff going or whatever, but I'm not anywhere near yeah, ready to. And if see. I could just clarify, it's our problem, Chris. It's not your problem. <laughs> well, it's our I mean, problem. You look, it's. it's <laughs> but I feel exactly the same way. You know, My dad was uh, was very high up in the uh, marketing world. Uh, was flying around, was getting flown around, going to Super Bowls and stuff like that. He had reached uh, a really uh, prestigious level in his professional career, and he was in his mid forties. Yeah. And. Um, I feel the same way. I am, you know, mid to late forties now, and like you guys said, he- heading to fifty. And I'm like, I'm, ju- but we've, you know, just starting to scratch the surface of the stuff you've been able to do. So, but, I hope but you're you, right, Chris. But you have to. I mean, but it, you know, it's kind of cute and funny when somebody who's 36 years old says, "Oh, I'm still trying to figure out what I want to do when I grow up." But when you're 48 and still saying that, that's not cute and funny anymore. <laughs> it's not cute and funny, but I think you'd be surprised at how many people are still are doing it. I yeah. think you'd be really surprised. I, I agree. It's not, there's nothing cute and funny about it. Nothing cute and funny about being broke. You know, when you're 20, when you're 24 and you're eating ROM and it's, it, you know, it's kind of cute and funny, but when you're forties and you're still trying to struggle like that, yeah, at 20, at 25, it's romantic at 50. It's pathetic. Hey, I, you know, for the record, and I know what you guys are saying. I can, I hear it in your voices. I actually enjoy eating macaroni and cheese. I don't do it because I have to. I do it because I want to. <laughs> Always liked it. Yeah. Cool it's stuff. a comfort food. It is a comfort food. And, you know, it used to be 39 cents a box. Now it's, I don't know, 239. Midwest winter days. That's right. <laughs> and they're, they're, Kraft, I think, should be our first sponsor, Chris. We just gave him a little plug <laughs> yeah. right there. Yeah. You got to send this to, uh, we'll have the intern send it over to Kraft tomorrow. Comfort food. That was almost the name of this podcast, Comfort Food. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but we didn't want to oversell it. Overpromise, underdeliver. <laughs> <laughs> so, Daryl, I, I have to admit, I, uh, I uh, what do the kids call it? I troll your Twitter feed every once in a while. Um, I, I have a Twitter account, but I don't, I never 
tweet. But dude, you are, and this is again goes back to our middle ground theme here. But you're way West Coast liberal. What happened to you, man? What happened? What are you? Are you? Am I correct? Are you Bernie Sanders supporter? I feel the burn. <laughs> I feel the burn. And uh, uh, yeah, I, I, that was one of the things that uh, I didn't mind leaving Michigan for. I, I was I, I was born a liberal and. Yeah, but Michigan's, you know, Michigan's a blue state. Michigan is a uh, is blue. It's it's red and blue. Where we grew up, it's 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 very red. Well, when yeah, where we grew up in Grand Rapids, the home, the proud home of Gerald R. Ford, the only president never elected to any national office. Um, yeah. But yeah, very red in that. I think in, yeah, that, in, in, in Kent in, in Kent County, but the rest of the state, I mean, went for Obama, went for Clinton. Well, you know, when when. Uh, my dad always said that too. That uh, that California it changed you. And you know, <laughs> did we ever have a conversation about that? We would never talk about politics because he was uh, pretty overbearing about it. But uh, you know, I I watched uh, All in the Family, and I watched Jesus uh, eat it. I watch it. So I would. I you know I I I grew up with very liberal television, and it influenced me and and movies and. Um, you know, I that's and plays and being an actor and I don't identify with what the the family I grew up with in terms of politics. Why is it inherent in artists or Hollywood that they be liberal, that they are that they are so far to the left? You know, except for except for Tom Selleck and Ronald Reagan. Yeah, there's a few exceptions. There's more than a few exceptions. Um, but the, I, I'll tell you. Uh, it's like uh, it was like being gay in the fifties. You you better keep it quiet, or well, you're not going to work. That's the thing. I bet there's far there are far more conservative folks in Hollywood than we know about because they keep their mouths shut. You're right. I think you're yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. It is. It is. There's probably more discriminated against than than anything else. Uh, yeah, well, you get ridiculed by people like Alec Baldwin, and uh, there's a lot. There's a lot of material to mock. <laughs> Look, come on there, there's and there is material to not, mock on both sides come on there's, there's all that guilt there's white guilt there's things but most most of the time those those people who went to the arts went in uh as a liberal and having money or no money it made no difference they just give them a, a bigger platform to use it almost seems like they're making up for the fact that they've made so much money it's almost like they have a guilty conscience like these people have made and i'm talking about the big hollywood money they've made so much money so much ridiculous you, you money DiCaprio? that they don't live they just there's just no way that they live the same lives that that you, us three do. So their way of kind of compensating for that is to get involved in these, in these things that, um, they really don't have any impact on. And I think it's just their way of feeling better about themselves. That's just a theory. I think there's probably a lot of people that, that that's their exact motivation, but you know, we should be thankful for those people. Uh, a lot of good comes from that. So Daryl, we have uh, taken up a lot of your time. We've wasted a lot of your time tonight. How do you feel about that? Okay, so so look, the, you you've you've connected two people who's never met before. We had a conversation um, in three different time zones. This has been um, we're performing a public service, is what Chris and I are doing. Yeah, this is a platform yeah, to let people know what technology can do for you. <laughs> well, give us some plugs. What do you what do you got going? Where can we hear Daryl Crylo? Well. <sighs> Um, that's the thing. Uh, again, here's, here's my career. Yeah. When you're in the booth and you're contracted uh, for a video game, they've got you for four hours and they can make you do 10 voices. 
Wow. So they're going to milk That's, it. Yeah. See, I won't do Batman, but I will do 10 characters in that video game throughout the video game. And um, maybe henchmen, maybe, you know, some uh, somebody who's getting uh, their, their ass kicked by Harley Quinn. Or, so give us some other titles. What other games have you given voice to? Like Prototype 2, I was uh, one of the leading roles. Uh, Alex Mercer, I was uh, the leading role in... Uh, What's well, a, a game called Yakuza, which is huge in Japan. Do, do you, when you do a, a game that's big in Japan, do you, are all their characters in, speak in English? They're usually produced in Japanese and you have to mouth uh, an American word. So you're dubbing over <laughs> just like okay. you would in a, like a karate movie. Right. It's a, it's a modern day Godzilla movie. That's what yeah. it is. That's freaking incredible. It's, it was, it's, it's challenging, but I, I was doing that a lot because I did it so well. I really, I really had a knack for what's called ADR is doing, uh, dubbing. So of all the, um, you know, including your, what's on your demo reel, which is awesome, by the way, what's, what's your favorite voice you love doing more than anything else? Uh, well, there's some things I just fall easy into and, um, so there's uh, uh, like the sensei voice. Um, try not to give him anything more than a generality uh, or of a heading. Don't want to give him like, like a character name, but the, like a sensei. So, um, was that thank you, Mr. Otto and Mr. Kelsch, for having me on your show. I do appreciate it very much. <laughs> nice. Then, wax yeah, that, on, wax off. I love that. <laughs> that dude has made me so much money just really? being able to do that. Yeah. There's a, there's a thing, you know, there's Asian actors here and many of them don't want to do an Asian accent to get a job. Uh, they need somebody. And so I, they have me, I've did that. There was a, um, and sometimes uh, it's a little older and it's more clownish and they, they will not do that. So they have to find somebody who will, uh, well, thanks, Daryl. Thanks, man. Thank you so much, Daryl. This was fun. Daryl, I just want you to know you are now our Bill Murray. You know, Letterman, Letterman's first guest ever on CBS, and then when he changed over to, or no, on NBC, and then he changed over to CBS, his first guest was always Bill Murray. Always Bill Murray. Yeah. I will be there. There you go, man. And you better bring those Japanese characters with you. <laughs> I'll be like, yeah, I'll be a sidekick in the studio. <laughs> What, what, what's my what's the tagline? I can't even remember the tagline again. Hey, if you try hard oh, enough, if you look hard you enough, always find middle if ground. If you look hard enough, you'll always find middle ground. That's right. I love that. <laughs>